Frankie. And I'm Daniel. And welcome to Propagated Podcast. Hi, Daniel. Hi. How have you How been? Are you? Yeah, I've, I've been good. I've been good. I mean, uh, getting into the spooky flavor, spooky season. I don't think it's a flavor. I mean, <laughs> it's it's a flavor of, I mean, I don't know, I guess, kind of. The flavor of spooky. It, it tastes like pumpkin spice and ghosts. And fear. And fear. Adrenaline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I kind of have been too. I've been watching horror movies all week, so that's always fun. Nice. I've been too chicken. I've been watching Halloween Town. Well... <laughs> Last night, or I guess it wasn't last night, it was actually the night before last, I was at my friend's house and we watched Demon's Wind, or Demon Wind, what? it's just Demon Wind, and it's like total, like, I think it was late 80s B-list horror, and it's fantastic if you like B-movies. Love it. You should definitely watch it. Oh, it's your birthday episode. Happy birthday. I guess that's fair, it is the closest episode to my birthday. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How was your birthday? It was great. You were there. That was fun. I was there. I got to hug you on your birthday. It was really nice. It was a good time. Birthday season. I think next episode's going to be my birthday episode. Yeah, it will be. Unless you want to record on your birthday. I'm just kidding. Obviously, that's a joke. Well, I mean, I totally would. This is my favorite (laughs) thing in my life. (laughs) It would be a birthday treat to tell you all about my favorite plants on my birthday. Well, maybe we'll do that. So yeah, today we are going to tell you all and each other about some of the world's deadliest, most poisonous plants. Yay! All in I'm honor so of this, for this poopy season. Yay! We've been wanting to do this one for a long time because there's so many good stories and folklore and all kinds of fun stuff around poisonous plants and we thought we'd save it for you for October. So here we are. Welcome to our first spooky episode. The floodgates have been opened. Yeah, right. It's just going to be spooky from here on out because that's who we are. <laughs> okay, let's do it. What do you have for me? So I am going to talk about, obviously, several different deadly plants. But the first one I'm going to talk about is Atropa belladonna. Ooh. Also known as the deadly nightshade, which might be the more familiar name for those of you at home listening. Who has ever seen Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. <laughs> First of all, it's a really cool plant, just in general. But it was named for the beautiful women of Renaissance Italy. They actually used a, a like, spray essence of belladonna and sprayed it in their eyes to enlarge their... Yeah, literally, because it would enlarge (gasps) their pupils. And it gave them that doughy-eyed look, which was, like, super what they thought that was, like, as attractive as you could be was to have that, like, doughy-eyed, big pupil. Yeah. Then they loved that. Um, and so that's where Belladonna comes from, is Italian for beautiful women. And then Atropa also kind of has a cool history behind its name, too, because the full name is Atropa Belladonna. Atropa pays homage to Atropos, of Greek mythology, who is one of the Moirae, or the Fates. Uh, she was actually the sister that cuts the thread of life. 
So that's where the full name comes from. So Deadly Nightshade or Deadly Beautiful Woman Plant, however you want to look at it. Deadly Beautiful Woman Plant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this plant is super poisonous and is native to like wooded and wasteland areas in central and southern Eurasia. It can actually grow up to five feet tall, which is pretty impressive. It has kind of dull green leaves with really pretty violet or greenish flowers and these super sweet, shiny black berries, which are really pretty and are apparently very tempting to eat, but can kill you if you eat a bunch of them. So while I'm going to spend most of my time on each of these plants talking about their kind of sordid history, a lot of them have some beneficial properties too. Specifically with belladonna, it's cultivated in France and used in the synth- in the synthesis of several different drugs with the benefits ranging from everything like sedation, even stimulation and spasm cessation. Like it's like an anti-seizure medication and stuff too. So while these plants are deadly, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all bad. They're just bad if you have nefarious purpose behind what you're doing with them. Overdose, yeah. (laughs) But anyways, on to the dark stuff. Deadly nightshade berries have gone by many names over the years, including sorcerer's berries, murderer's berries, and devil's berries. Some people even say that nightshade berries were the inspiration for the poison that caused Juliet to appear dead in Shakespeare's play, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And belladonna is so toxic that just eating a small quantity of its leaves or berries can be fatal to humans particularly children, and even a lot of different animals. And just as much as touching the leaves has been known to irritate skin. So Belladonna don't be fucking around with you. (laughs) You mess with it, it's going to mess with you right back. And even though in small amounts the plant is known to kill, if you take something less than small, you have a hallucinogen on your hands. Which is kind of fun. I don't recommend it, obviously, (laughs) but I think that's kind of an interesting fun fact. Disclaimer already, do not do or take or try any of these things that we are talking about today. Please, we are not responsible for the plants you ingest. (laughs) Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Hopefully by the end of this, I can give you some reasons why you wouldn't want to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... Atropa belladonna has been known to cause visual hallucinations that include changes in the size of objects. Think Alice in Wonderland at the beginning. That kind of stuff. But it also disrupts your peripheral and central neurotransmitters, which means it causes like a relaxation of your skeletal muscles, bowels, heart, and lungs. Meaning that you could fake your own death with something like this. Like I was saying, relating to, like, Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. All right. Ba-ba-ba-ba! Poisonous plants! <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Can you, that has to stay in. I love that too much. Too much. I got a thumb piano, and I've been making up songs all week. <laughs> you just randomly decided you wanted a thumb piano. Where did you even find it? Yeah, okay, so this is how susceptible I am right now to Instagram ads. I watched this one video of this person playing a song to their dog, and I was like, I need one of those. Was it the really <laughs> cute one? Like, the yeah. really cute TikTok where they're in a field of flowers? Yeah. I, that was yeah. a really cute TikTok. I was like, I want this to be my life. All I need to do is buy a thumb piano. But I'm not very good at it. <laughs> but I'll get there. I mean, you've only you said you've had it for, what, like a week? Can't. 
I can't expect yeah, it totally. to be good yet. <laughs> I can play one Zelda song. <laughs> oh, I love that. I kind of want to hear you play a Zelda song. Anyways. Okay. Oh, you you're doing it. I love it. It's. I love that it's in arm's reach. That's amazing. Anyways, I, like I said, I'm not very good. I feel like your mic hated that. I don't know why, yeah, but you like I'm sure it was did. very it was very interesting. <laughs> very squiggly. <laughs> Belladonna is what I was talking about. So uh, Belladonna was also said to be part of a witch's flying ointment, Ooh. which is really cool. And that flying ointment, the like what helped witches to fly. Had several iterations over the years, so if you look it up, there's like stuff that was not Belladonna also used, but I did find Belladonna as one of those. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the reason people think that Belladonna was used in folklore like that was because it has a very rich history of being used in like a lot of prophetic and vision questing practices over mm-hmm. the centuries, you know? A lot of times, especially in, like, Grecian times, the, like, people who were giving out prophecies and the fates and everything were often portrayed in, like, roles that were strong women. And so a lot of where witches came from originally, where the term came from, was actually a term used by the church. And we all know that the fucking church has a really, really beautiful history with strong women but anyways, fun like side fact is that that's kind of where witches, how witches came to be. And it was like a thousand plus year smear campaign against powerful women by the church. Oh. <laughs> and now I, for one, am happy to see people reclaiming it and turning yeah, it back into sure. a positive thing, which is really fun. But I kind of didn't want to focus. I figured that Frankie, you in talking about yours will be more of the mystical side of things. Cause I just, I just know, know that that's, that just know that's who you are as a person. So I kind of didn't focus on that with the plants that I chose. And I would rather tell you about some of the historical things that happened with these herbs, which is the direction that I'm going to go. Um, Sounds about right. <laughs> it's very, very on brand for me. For us. Yeah. For us, for sure. Uh, it's important to note that the nefarious side of Belladonna isn't simply limited to witches and witches' brews and flying ointments or whatever. There are lots of stories about assassins and poisoners from back in the day, and even more modern stuff as well. But you have people like Lacosta, Candida, and Matina, and those are like the three most infamous poisoners of ancient Rome. Ooh. And each of these ladies were said to have grown deadly nightshade in their gardens, which is really cool. And I'm not going to go through each of their stories, but La Costa was one of the more famous, one of the more well-known stories that have to do with Belladonna. And what she did, she was actually hired as an assassin by Agrippina the Younger, who was the wife of Emperor Cladius. And she ended up creating this dish of, it was like a mushroom dish in a Belladonna sauce and fed it to the emperor and fucking killed the man. Like, leaving room for Agrippina the Younger to, like, take her role and, like, have a little bit more political pull than she had before that. 
which is just fun, I think. So in a more modern example, Belladonna was a known recurring drug used in and around the Manson family. Oh. Which is really fucked up. So yeah, Charles Manson and the whole family were said to have used this hallucinogen with fair fair regularity. Some people even say that some of Manson's more emphatic delusions were probably spurred on with the help of Belladonna. I mean, they were also doing like all sorts of LSD and cocaine and other drugs too but belladonna is known to create some pretty big delusions um and then tex watson who was part of the the actual infamous night that the manson family killed those people says that he was consuming a large amount of cooked belladonna the day before the murders so just as another example of how these drugs got used well calling them poisons drugs Okay, Sarah, Sarah, same difference. But yeah, that's kind of what I have on Belladonna. I didn't go super deep into anything. I just wanted to give you all some surface information and some fun little tidbits to look into and think about. Yeah, poisons, greatest hits. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, I am going to tell you first about Foxglove, a.k.a. Digitalis. Foxglove's such a pretty flower. It's so pretty. It's one of the first flowers I ever grew. It's got this beautiful stalk. It has these bell-shaped flowers that come off of it and look kind of like tube tubular mouths, <laughs> but they're really pretty. I feel like tube-shaped flowers is kind of a common reoccurring, or bell-shaped flowers, I'm sorry, is kind of like a reoccurring thing with a lot of these plants that are poisonous. Definitely, yeah. So all parts of foxglove contain these alkaloid compounds called cardiac glucosides. And basically an alkaloid is just this nitrogen-containing chemical that some plants produce, and it's their defense mechanism against herbivores, basically. So all of these poisonous plants we're talking about contain alkaloids as their defense mechanisms, and that's what uh, basically causes harm and death. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Um, So... The, these cardiac glucosides are highest in the foxglove's leaves, but like I said, they are in all parts. As I was reading about toxicology and alkaloids, I came upon this quote that made me think of what you said earlier, Daniel, that the quote is, the dose makes the poison. So like you were talking about, a lot of these, it's not always all harmful. Some of them actually do help and some of them are still used in medicine today yeah um but basically poisoning from foxglove causes nausea vomiting diarrhea irregular heartbeats yellowing of vision um but basically how you would die is from a heart attack so in small doses foxglove basically or at least the compounds in it can manage heart conditions like abnormal rhythms or heart failure. Basically what it does is it increases the force of the heart's contraction and the volume of blood being pumped with each beat, but the heart itself is beating slower. So centuries ago, it used to be used to cure something called dropsy, which I thought was kind of a funny dropsy? name. Dropsy? <laughs> yeah, dropsy. which now we call it edema. 
um, which is basically the excess of fluid collecting in your body's tissues. Bullshit. I don't, why, no, don't call it edema. Bring, I, I'm here to petition to bring Dropsy back. I fucking love that. (laughs) Dropsy's pretty cool. Um, I mean, it's not cool itself, but the name is cool. The name is fun. (laughs) But it's interesting because edema is often a side effect of heart problems. So it's kind of connected. Medicines today, they still extract from the foxglove plant itself. They don't synthesize it because it's really difficult to synthesize. And they haven't found a way to make it cost effective and just regular effective um, and make it in an effective, efficient way. So they still just use the plant itself, which I think is pretty cool. That is cool. Belladonna was the same. I can't remember the names cool. of the medicine that they're still making with it, but it was to treat the things that I mentioned in my little bit. So my fun fact is Charles Cullen, who was New Jersey's most prolific serial killer, used foxglove in a number of his murders. Nice. I mean, not nice, but <laughs> that is indeed a fun fact. <laughs> We're having all of the wrong reactions. We're like, oh, cool. Yeah, as I was researching, I was like, oh, my God, the police are going to come to our door. I mean, for real, though, I was literally looking up, like, what do these poisons do? How do I synthesize yeah. these poisons? What is yeah. the, how does this How long work? does it take to get into effect? <laughs> yeah. Well, when somebody else dies of ricin poisoning in Asheville, you know, I'm screwed. <laughs> I thought you said no one has ever died of rice and poisoning. That was hopefully the joke, so when they listen to this, I won't <laughs> actually be in trouble. <laughs> You're covering your ass, I hear it. Uh, yeah, that's Fox Club. That's fun. That was a fun one. And enjoyable. Can we have a can we have a poisonous plant garden though, for real? Uh absolutely. I think that'd be so well, much fun. I mean, fun. no, we would never do that. That is suspicious as fuck. <laughs> you know, we're totally gonna do that. <laughs> and I want a midnight garden too. Oh yeah, absolutely. God, fucking night blooming plants. We need to do an episode on that soon because it is so fucking yeah. cool. I guess I'll talk about ricin next since I already brought it up sideways in a way. Yeah, so let's talk about castor beans or ricinus communis. Rice and beans. Rice and beans, except you do not want to eat these beans in your rice. You might die. <laughs> Castor bean is a fast-growing and tender perennial large shrub small tree. I hate the way they do that because there's not actually like a definition to what is a shrub and what is a tree. It's not like a real mm. It's not like a real thing, yeah. which frustrates me. There's no scientific distinction. Yeah, so it's essentially a tender perennial that is either large or small depending on your perspective, I suppose. I am also a tender perennial that is either large or small, depending on your perspective, especially if you've had belladonna. <laughs> <laughs> Call back anyway, sorry. And that's how you go full circle, guys. The episode's over. <laughs> we're done. I don't even know what to talk about anymore. I'm an expert podcaster. <laughs> um, also, they call it a large shrub small tree, but that's only in areas that can't sustain it like if you live in a fall if you live in a frost free environment which i know is not most of the world but if you were to live in a frost free environment which is for some reason incredibly hard to say i was gonna say say it five times fast frost free frost free frost nope can't that was bad hated it um if you were to live in a frost free environment 
it can live on and grow up to be 40 feet tall, which Whoa. is fucking massive. So I'm just going to go ahead and call it a large thing. I don't know. A tree. It's a large tree. <laughs> it's a, a trub. Oh, I like trub. It's a trub. It's a, <laughs> it's a small to moderate to large size trub. Um, love that. Also, I discovered that in my childhood, I was actually surrounded by this plant, and I never knew that what was growing around was called castor bean, because my Ooh. grandpa had always called it mole bean. A lot of my family grew this plant because it's supposed to, like, moles are supposed to be averse to it, like, they don't like it. After doing some research into that, it's actually a specific type of castor oil that you need to keep the moles away. So who knows oh. how effective it actually was, but they swore by it, and I tend to trust the old. It's a pretty, like, people use it ornamentally, too. It's pretty. Yeah, it's so pretty. I've definitely seen it around. But yeah, that's fun fact about me personally. What else was I going to talk about? Ricin. <laughs> yeah, so literally ricin is a byproduct of creating castor oil. And uh, ricin is deadly even in the smallest amounts. And the reason that people have tried to use ricin as much as they have is because you don't need, like, some fancy lab. You don't even really need a huge amount of castor beans to create a lethal amount of ricin. And it can also be, create like, it can be crafted into an aerosol. So that's kind of terrifying. Oh, my god! Or it can be yeah. added to an aerosol. So, like, you could use it to, like, create some bio-warfare type of shit, too, if you really wanted to. I hate to. that. Um, so it's kind of a terrifying poison, Especially in the wrong hands. Like, you have some really smart engineer person. They could probably fuck some shit up pretty good with it. And, you know, aspiring assassins, if you're out there and listening to this, <laughs> ricin's a pretty good way to go. You just need to learn how to be sneakier than the people who have tried to use it in the past. Because almost every attempt to kill with ricin I could find has been thwarted. They're usually political things that have that has been like related to it because you can like send it in the mail kind of like they did with um anthrax and shit. But realistically, the only thing that I could find where there was like a successful murder with ricin happened in September of 1978. And it was in London on the Waterloo Bridge. And a man had a weaponized umbrella, what? which I just think is kind of amazing. Um, I shouldn't say that because he killed somebody. But he had a weaponized umbrella, and he stabbed Georgi Markov in the leg, and he was some, like, political leader that was trying to, to get elected in his home country, or maybe he was trying to stage a coup. I'm going to be honest and say I did very surface research on this. I only know his name and <laughs> that he died uh, about four days after... He was stabbed in the leg with this umbrella. Dang. And the umbrella had just like the smallest, tiniest little pellet of ricin in it. And it took them long enough to find out what it was that he definitely was like dead, dead. He was dead, dead. Oh, and apparently, no. ricin's a very painful, slow, unfortunate death as well. So. Oh, that's awful. Oh, that was so spooky. My door just opened because of the wind. I was like, what was that? Oh, my that? God. I have chills. <laughs> Hold on, chills. Hold on one second. Let me close the door. Okay. Yeah, that's ricin. That's ricin for you. 
I did it. I did the oh. thing. That's in 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 game. I don't have any more on Ryzen. Sorry, guys. Do your own research next week. I don't know. <laughs> no, that was beautiful. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for sharing. All right. Next is Black Henbane, aka Hyosimus Niger. Don't know if I said that right, but use of this goes all the way back to 4000 BC. Damn. It was originally used in combination with other plants as an anesthetic potion with psychoactive properties in magic brews. So I'm sure at some point Belladonna was in there too, like you talked about a little bit. Give me some psychoactive shit. I'm just kidding. (laughs) For legal purposes, that is a lie. I've never done any psychotropic or psychoactive drugs in my entire life. Never. We would never break the law. Especially not after my search history. (laughs) (laughs) So black henbane was the sacred plant of Apollo in ancient Greece. The leaves, seeds, and roots are all poisonous and cause loss of muscle control, dilation of pupils, heart palpitations, hallucinations, delirium, and sometimes leads to coma and death. So the most common hallucination under the effects of black henbane is the feeling of leaving your body and flying through the sky. So this is actually where the witches on broomsticks trope came from, was all of these witches taking this witch's herb that was it was called in the Middle Ages. And so they were like, oh, all these witch ladies, they're flying around on broomsticks because they're like, I'm flying while they're tripping. <laughs> I kind of love that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> in Northern European... It was a beer additive before hops. A strange side effect of it, though, was it actually made you thirstier. And so then you would drink more beer, I guess. So that was the whole ploy. (laughs) Hey, Frankie, do you want to open up a brewery? (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Sounds like an excellent idea. Let's just put Hensbane in every beer. And it's like, of course you want another beer. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's legal at this point, but, you know. Copyright, copyright, copyright. <laughs> so henbane, unfortunately, is also a very painful death. Leads oftentimes to seizures and, like I said before, coma. Um, fun facts. The Greeks and the Gauls used to poison their arrow tips with it. And it was the ritual plant of Druids and Vikings. Ooh. And their graves were responsible for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of seeds of Black Hensbane. That's fucking cool. Yeah. So that's Black Hensbane. That's fun. I love it. I want it. Like, can we get some? Is it <laughs> yeah, pretty? Sure. It's actually really pretty, too. Cool. Yeah. Look at these flowers. Ooh. Are those, I mean, it's kind of hard to see. Is it like... It's like purple veins. Purple veins. Oh, I love that. I, I don't think it's illegal to grow any of these plants. It's definitely not illegal to grow any of these plants. What would be illegal is if they came to your house and you had gone through the process to create the poisons from <laughs> vials and vials and vials just like it's not illegal to grow poppy but if you have an entire field they're probably going to look at you pretty heavily <laughs> yeah. all right so next on deadly plants tonight <laughs> deadly plants tonight <laughs> <laughs> is strychnine Ooh. So it's an interesting one the scientific name is strychnos nux vomica which is a lot. Um, it's a lot. It also commonly goes by Nux Vomica, Poison Nut, Semen Strychnos, and Quaker Buttons. 
Ooh. Right? The last one kind of seems like it doesn't fit per- personally. Quicker buttons. If you go, I mean, I'm sure we'll post a picture of it, but if you go and look at uh, the pictures of the dried seed pods, they literally look like buttons. So I'm pretty sure that's where that one came from. It's kind of cute, even though it's deadly. But strychnine is a deciduous tree native to India and Southeast Asia. So strychnine is a cultivated plant, as are many of these things. But, you know, like how caffeine and coffee beans are cultivated for good reasons, historically, the reason for cultivating strychnine is a bit bit more nefarious. It's not... It's not usually a great thing. So the alkaloid, like I said, comes from the Nooks vomica tree because there, di- there are different types of strychnine plants. It gets its scientific name strychnose from Carl Linnaeus, who classified it back in 1753. But it was known to the population of India way, way, way before that because that's where it's native to. Interestingly enough, the bulk of stories about strychnine poison don't come from India. And that could be, you know, a lack of stories could show record keepers in India just didn't record the stories of strychnine poisoning. Or perhaps the poisoners in India came up with a more subtle way to use strychnine than we know about today, so it was just more secretive. While there are no famous particular poisonings, I found a book from 1900 that speaks to this kind of black market for strychnine hidden in plain sight. So those who knew where to go could get a drug called Kirchi, which was a bitter but harmless tonic for mild ailments. And those who really knew where to go could find Kirchi cut with the powdered pulp of the Nux Vomica, and that would actually get the poison into a victim. Um, And after that, you know, you have to consider covering one's tracks which is a little bit harder. So strychnine kills through asphyxiation because the drug paralyzes the muscles that control the airway. So not very fun. The luckiest of victims, if they were given enough of the poison, would already be unconscious for that part. But even the preliminary symptoms of poisoning make strychnine a pretty bad way to go. So poisoning starts with extreme soreness and stiffness in the muscles, especially around the neck jaw and abdomen and then it's followed by intense muscle spasms and even convulsions so people who were poisoned know that something's very wrong with them but there is some ambiguity about it strychnine poison comes on suddenly but it looks a lot like tetanus poison so apparently poisoners exposed their victims to strychnine and then tried to pass the death off as tetanus they, like, stuck a rusty nail in their foot, and they're like, look, it's tetanus. <laughs> well, I don't know if people back in pre-1800s oh. India knew that the rusty nails were where they were getting their tetanus from, but maybe. I don't know the history of tetanus like that. <laughs> so, they, like I said, they tried to pass the death off as tetanus, and, you know, the fact that the ruse was well-known over 100 years ago indicates they probably didn't have a whole lot of success with that. Yeah. On to, well, I was about to say onto a more modern-day example, but it's really not. I guess it's modern-day compared to ancient India. But in the late 1800s, (laughs) a famous serial killer by the name of Thomas Neal Cream, who was a doctor, used it to kill primarily women, but a few men. And obviously his most common method of killing was strychnine. Wow. Uh, So there is even one report 
and I didn't look super deep into this, so I don't know the veracity of this. This is, I think, more of a rumor than a guaranteed bit. He worked near the red light district in Germany, I believe. And he would go into the red light district and slip strychnine into prostitutes' drinks. Oh, but he was also a doctor, and while this might make him sound almost like not a completely horrible person, he was one of the few people willing to do illegal abortions back then. But he was a horrible person because he would use that as an excuse to kill a lot of the people that were coming to get the abortions. Um, And a fun fact about him is that there are some reports that the last words prior to him being hanged was a confession of his being Jack the Ripper. My personal take on that is I find it hard to believe because cause typically serial killers that are cowardly enough to rely on poison yeah, don't usually do things as heinous as what Jack the Ripper did. I could be wrong. Maybe he had an evolution beyond poison and was Jack the Ripper. He did. He had a stint in Canada, oh, yeah. a stint in Germany, a stint in London. So who knows? Um People died in all of those areas that he was in, so he was definitely a serial killer. But, but yeah, that's 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 what I did for Strychnine. That's the that's the bit. Nice. All right, next we have Mandrake. So Mandrake, also known as Mandragora officinarum, it is related to henbane and was often used in the same witch's brew or witch's potion that you know caused all those hallucinations of flying and that fun stuff. They are really cool. I mean, you probably have heard of them before. I feel like the fantasy novels of a person who we shall not name because they are not kind to trans people, which we are very trans friendly. She in this has house. definitely become she who shall not be named the fucking bitch. Yeah. We yeah. don't fuck with turfs in here. Propagated says trans rights. Also, I know that it took me forever, just as a side note for people listening to this, and it might be just that I'm dumb. But it took me forever to realize why the word TERF was used in relation to those people because I didn't realize it was an acronym. But it's. Oh. But for those, if there's anyone else dumb like me, it's trans exclusionary radical feminist is what TERF stands for. And hopefully I just helped somebody from feeling as dumb as I did when I found that out. Yeah. They say it's a slur. But they, I think they call themselves gender critical or something like that, which, first of all, is ridiculous. You know what? I'm like, honestly not going to care if I'm... It's like somebody who's a Nazi saying that Nazi is a slur. You can go get fucked. Yeah, I will right? use that word as freely as I want to because you don't have a right to that opinion without consequences. And the consequence yeah, is yes. I'm calling you a fucking turf because you yeah, are a fucking exactly. turf. Yes. Okay. Anyways, back on track now. It lends itself to folklore, which I'm sure is why it has shown up in so much fantasy, because it's just, when you pull it up, the roots look like little legs crossed over. It's like sometimes, not always, but sometimes, and it's just kind of cool. I really like plants that look like humans. I just got my first ficus, and it literally looks like a lady like on all fours looking back, and I'm like, I want more plants that look like humans. They're so funny. (laughs) So they have these beautiful violet flowers that make these really small circular berries which have been called and coined satan's apples love that yeah apparently they even smell like apples but i've never smelled one so i can't comment on that personally 
They were used as a narcotic and an aphrodisiac in a lot of lot of history. At the same time? Because I feel like that would make for weird, some weird sex. <laughs> yeah. It is said that it was offered as a mandrake wine to people who were crucified for a quicker death. I guess that's a little bit of niceness if you're going to be crucified. Here's the mandrake tea. Um, it has... I mean, seriously, this one has so many much folklore. I could probably do a whole episode on the folklore, but I pulled the juiciest bits. It is said that the mandrake grows wherever the fluids of hanged murderers have dripped down from the gallows. Oh, specifically murderers? Yeah, specifically That's murderers. That's so cool. So the mandrake root used to be believed that it was the power of dark earth spirits. And so the only way to safely uproot it would be at midnight and you would have to take a cord and tie it to the mandrake and then tie it to a black dog and then the dog would pull the mandrake out of the ground and like in old folklore the dog would then give up its soul for the mandrake being pulled up but there's a lot of you know people who have done this and dogs didn't die so. <laughs> no animal cruelty in the show <laughs> but yeah so that's the mandrake. Um, all parts of the mandrake are poisonous, so don't eat it. That's kind of fun. Into it. Wolfsbane. That's what I'm doing next. And in its folklore, it was the legendary cure for lycanthropy, which is fun. Nice. Is that why it's called Wolfbane? It is why it's called Wolfbane. Well, not. I'm going to talk Ooh. more about why it's actually called Wolfsbane, but that is the okay. folklore comes from that. And, you know, the plant holds some more dark secrets beyond its hairy folklore. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just make a pun? I feel like that's my job. I'm so proud of you. I've been corrupting you slowly. <laughs> I thought about that. When I wrote that, I was like, am I going to say it out loud? Am I going to do that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm so I had the appropriate did. amount of scotch to make a pun on this show. Don't expect it often. <laughs> Anyways... Wolfsbane, or Econitum napellus, can be found in mountains and temperate regions throughout Western and Central Europe. The plant has cute little rounded leaves and helmet-shaped purple flowers. These flowers lend to the alternative name of monk's hood. So if you've ever heard of monk's hood, it's the same, same thing. And they grow to be about one to three meters tall, so three to nine feet tall, which is pretty large for a little perennial flower. So wolfbane originally got its name for being the poison used to kill carnivores, such as wolves and panthers in the 18th century. It was put into raw meat to bait the animals. It's kind of fucked up, but also, I guess in the 18th century, it's probably kind of necessary to keep yourself alive. Some people even believe that uh, it was aconite, which is the poison in wolfsbane, that caused rabies in these animals later on because of the side effects. And the side effects of wolfsbane are very similar. The convulsions, the erratic behavior, the foaming at the mouth, all of that stuff is could be linked to wolfsbane. And aconite shows up all across history. In Greece, it was thought to have been one of the first poisons ever created. In Rome, it was used to poison enemies. And it was even used by Shakespeare as a deadly weapon which was an aconite-covered blade in Hamlet. Whoa, cool. Yeah, so Hamlet even harkens to Wolfsbane, which is kind of fun. 
in ancient Chinese culture, aconite, along with other plants, was used to poison arrows as well. And it's even gone so far as to think that aconite was used to poison bullets in World War II, and Nazi scientists are apparently the ones that were behind doing that. So, like, even if you could have survived the, the bullet shot, originally it was poisoned so that you would die a horrible death if you didn't die from the bullet wound itself. Aww. One more thing, another modern-day example of when poisonous plants have been used. In 2010, and I'm just going to apologize in advance for how poorly I'm probably about to say this name. So sorry. I'm not actually that sorry to you because you're a murderer, but I will say I'm sorry to anybody who has a similar name and I'm also butchering their familial names. So in 2010, Lakbir Kaur Singh, sorry, was convicted of murdering <laughs> the man who spurned her advances. And she actually used Wolf's Bane in a dish that she prepared for him and his fiance at the time. So she like made out like she was going to like mend the issues between them by cooking him and his fiance this nice meal. End up killing the fuck out of him. He died, died, but he dead. And then the fiance was in a coma for several days, medically induced coma, but she was in a coma while her body tried to heal from the poison. So Lockbeer, not a very nice lady. Probably shouldn't be poisoning people. I assume that you're in prison. But fun fact about that case is that that was the first case of aconite poisoning that was publicly tried in the United Kingdom since 1882. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, when was it? 2010. Oh. Yeah, recent, recent. Like, not that long. I mean, that was still a decade ago. God, that really sucks to say. Time is an illusion. A decade ago, this lady did that, but it was the first time since 1882. So, so you have one more. I have one more. Do you want me to go? Are you oh yeah, I'm done. Okay. I'm I'm so done. It's over. <laughs> it is over. All right. Now we're gonna talk. Last but not least, about hemlock. Ooh. AKA conia maculatum. Maculatum. I don't speak Latin. It is not related to the hemlock tree. Let me just start out by saying that. I mean, that's really depressing. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know. (laughs) It's in the carrot family, and it is easily confused with parsley. So please pay attention to this because it is a very common poisoning that happens a lot. It even smells kind of like parsley, but it has hollow stems with purple splotches. So if you see something that looks like parsley, you're like, hmm, parsley but it has purple splotches on the stem, don't eat it. You're probably gonna have to go to the hospital if you do. So it has a few different alkaloids, but it's most poisonous is conine. Conine? C-O-N-I-I-N-E. Conine. (laughs) 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 I love that. Anyways, if this is your first episode with us, welcome to us. trying so hard to pronounce things and having no idea um it has a chemical structure like nicotine and basically it disrupts your nervous center your central nervous system even a small dose can cause respiratory collapse like damn it does take about 48 to 72 hours for the full effect to kick in you kind of just feel drunk at first but 
things start to go awry in that time frame. The most famous of hemlock deaths was actually Socrates. Oh, really? What? Yeah. So Socrates, it was his preferred method of death. He was sent to death for his speeches and his beliefs in humanistic and democratic principles, basically corrupting the youth of Athens. But they were like, you know what, Socrates, you're all right. We'll let you choose your manner of death. And he was like, fucking hemlock, let's do it. So he willingly drank it in his cell, and Plato recorded it. And he said at first Socrates was feeling numb limbs, and then it started to spread to his whole body. But the entire time he maintained awareness, because hemlock does not affect your brain at all. So the whole time you are completely conscious as you lose control of your entire body. And, yeah, so he was pretty much dictating until he couldn't speak Mm-mm. anymore. And then I don't like away. that. I think that that would drive me, no, that sounds like a terrible way to die mm-hmm. to me. 72 hours of your... Did you just say 72 hours? 48 to 72 hours. Well, yeah. motherfuck, God, no. Yeah, so that's hemlock. Don't eat it. And if you do, fucking go to the hospital. For real? Because they can help Fuck. you with um, ventilators. But Who decides that's going to be the preferred method of death? I know, right? Like... Of all the poisons, that's the one you pick? All right, Socrates. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> so that's poison. Yay. Yay. We did it. Yay. Okay. I hope you loved our spooky episode. We're going to bring you more spooky episodes, so stay tuned for those. Um, in the meantime, you should follow us on social media. We are on Instagram. At Propagated Podcast. We are also on Twitter. At Propagated Pod. And you can Gmail us with any questions or if you want to talk more about poisons or send us pictures. If you have any of these growing, please send us pictures. We would love that at propagatedpodcast at gmail.com. Sweet. And I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you all so freaking much. We are so like just overjoyed with all of your comments, all of your messages, just listening to us and i mean telling your friends it just it means the world to us and we are so thankful for you thank you so much for joining us absolutely we do love you guys that's all i have to say Ah. (laughs) 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 thank you all so much and we'll see you next time goodbye bye